The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. They do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. The worldview that gives men and women the truth of what is. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show about God's truth in today's society from a multi-generational pastoral perspective. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of Aletheia Bible Fellowship's Project Vigilance, a web portal that provides internet Christians out there with helpful content and insights. We're produced by ABF's Vigilance Radio Network. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org, where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about us. At the top of the show today, let's remember to help us spread this content by liking, sharing, and subscribing to this episode. And if you haven't yet, go ahead and join our Facebook group where you can stay up to date on this and all our programming. You can find it at vrn.abf on Facebook. Now that all that's said, I'm Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this is Pastor Monty. Good morning and welcome to Truth Time. I am Pastor Monty and today we're going to be looking at a couple of things. We're in the book of Genesis, so we'll be talking about the flood and then uh, we're going to be talking back in, uh, we're going to be talking in cultural lunacy about, uh, about the role of man. So let's get started in the Christ Factor with Genesis. Okay, so we have been talking about, well, we've just been progressing uh, in Genesis, and um, we, the last time we were together uh, in Genesis, two weeks ago, we were talking about the flood and the beginnings of the flood. So actually, we were talking about the, the conditions that existed, um, you know, with, with, uh, which precipitated the flood. And basically, the earth was uh, full of uh, mankind, and and uh, and there were uh, giants that were the byproduct of procreation between uh, angelic type beings and and uh, humans, and so they were called Nephtali. And there was basically scripture says that the earth was filled with, mankind was, was just filled with evil. And, and uh, there, was, there was no good to be found. So God said, you know what? I'm not doing this no more. So he decided to kill his creation. Everything he was, he was sorrowed that he had created man, and he decided to kill his creation, and so he was going to send flood. And while he was in the process of doing that, uh, he found one, 
if you can, I, I can't even begin to imagine. He's in all of creation. There, he found one man who was righteous, Noah. So Noah and his family, um, they uh, they were the ones that were going. God was going to allow to survive the flood. So he commanded Noah to build um, an ark. And I'm not, this is uh, probably a chapter and a half of uh, reading. And I don't know that it would be productive to read through the whole thing. Uh, but we can certainly discuss that. Most people understand what happened with the flood and the, the dynamics that were there. What we can do is we can discuss uh, just a couple moments, uh, and I, Josh and I, we can discuss the, uh, you know, some of the the questions that come up because there there is some controversy, um, you know, several thousand years later, five or six thousand years later, there's some controversy over whether the the flood actually occurred and where Noah's Ark is and. How do you get all those and, and how they eat, you know, how they eat and all those types of things. So um, my thought is, is we don't need to read uh, the whole one and a half chapters uh, together on uh, on the podcast here, but we can go over the details and address some of those questions. What do you think, Josh? Does that sound like a good plan? Um, sure. <laughs> Your uh, your ambivalent either way doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, well, it, know, it doesn't matter either way to, never, to me. Yeah, it's never a bad thing to to read from God's word, but I'm just saying it's a it's a long narrative of what happened. So basically, God says in His word uh, in uh, Genesis chapter six, if you want to grab your Bible and read along, in Genesis chapter 6, God explains the condition, and then he states that he couldn't find uh, one uh, anybody, that the whole world was, was evil, but he was able to find one righteous man, and that was Noah. And so then he commanded Noah. He talked to Noah, and he said, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flood the earth, and I want you to build me an ark. And uh, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, you know, Bill Bill Cosby had a, a, a great uh, shtick that he did about God talking to Noah. Hmm. And, you know. Now, remember with, with, with Adam, you know, God, uh, you know, God spoke directly to Adam and communed with him. Um, but Scripture doesn't tell us much about God speaking with Noah, except when he introduces himself. So, you know, all this evil's running around, and people are just trying to survive, and there's, in all the evil, there's just one, one man that is righteous, and that's Noah. And God speaks out and says, Noah. <laughs> and Noah says, who... What was that? Who, who's there? <laughs> we, we don't know the details. <laughs> All we know is that God spoke to Noah and commanded him, told him what he was going to do, and commanded him to build a boat. 
Now, there's a couple things here. As far as we know, and you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but I rarely am. Uh, it, okay. It, <laughs> my it's my understanding if we if we if we extrapolate from uh, if we extrapolate from what went on in the garden, at this point, um, God did not. Uh, th there wasn't rain. Yeah, that's so how I read it too. What we know from Scripture is that when when uh, is that it would uh, the it would do up at night, and so the things were kept watered, not because of rain, but because it would do up at night and they get wet at night. Um, the door, we don't really see uh, rain per se coming down. So there's there's a couple of things. It, is it that is that how you remember it? Have you studied this? That's that's what I remember. Yeah, yeah, that's how that's how I yeah, would so read it. Yeah. So, so we're we're Oregonians, you know. So we're <laughs> we're for, we're we're familiar with rain. Right. Um, but but first of all, God speaks to Noah, calls out to him. Um, so that's an interesting conversation, and then he. Uh, and he says, you know, I'm going to flood the earth. From the sky. From the sky. Right. Well, what's, it's like, you know, I, I'm sure that Noah had some questions. It's like, wow, really? And then he tells them, he tells him, you need to build a boat. Now, my understanding is, is the region where, uh, where, where Noah was at uh, is landlocked. Well, okay, so have you ever heard of the term Pangea? Yeah, I've heard of it. Why don't you explain it for the audience? Okay, so Pangea is a, um, or Pangea, I'm not really sure how it's pronounced. I'll put the wiki on there so people can see. But Pangea is what was believed to be a supercontinent during the Paleozoic era. And um, essentially it was all of the, you can like kind of see how the earth used to be one land mass and it moved apart from each other. So Pangea, if you go back in time, essentially you can take the land mass and bring it all together as one, right. Pre-continent. One continent. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, so the earth would have been just basically one plate or not the earth, the, the land would have been one, uh, place and so the idea of a um, a boat would have only made sense if you were going to explore the ocean that was around the world, um, you know, if if there was such a thing. Right, right. So so what we have is we have God talking to Noah, and I'm sure Noah had lots of questions because it's like you know you're going to do what. You're gonna. Uh, what's what's a flood? What what are you talking about? So he's so he said he's gonna make it rain for forty days and forty nights, and it's gonna it's in and uh, and it's gonna wipe. He's gonna wipe everything out, and so I want you to build a boat, and this is the dimensions, and so he he tells him what the dimensions are. He tells him how and then you're supposed to coat. 
the inside and the outside with tar. So evidently no one knew what tar was. So the so this is so if you've seen this is a this is a huge this is a huge uh, structure. Okay? Right. In in Kentucky um, right now, if you want to go visit, you want to go visit Kentucky. There's a couple of places where you'd want to go. You'd want to go like to to Dollywood, for example, um, if you're in Kentucky. But there's a there's an actual life size replica. It's a it's a life size replica museum of the Ark, and you can actually go visit there. And see what it would have been like on the inside of the ark. So, so the ark was designed that that Noah would take all of these animals, and they would be housed in the ark when this flood is going on, so that they would be saved from the destruction that was going to be there. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were, um, and, and so that's what he did. So he, he and his sons built this boat. Now this is not, this is, you know, this is hand, hand, hand construction. So he was told the, the wood he was to use. He was told the dimensions of the ark. He was told how he needed to build it. And then he was given the instruction to build it. So my under okay. So that's the first thing. Now, what is is the uh, so here's a question that comes up often. Um, where is this? Is this a a method, Is this a, a mythological flood story, or is it reality? If it's reality, we should be able to find the ark because scripture tells us. That when the when the waters uh, receded from the flood, that the one that the uh, the ark settled on Mount Ararat. Mount Ararat is in uh, is currently in Turkey. There there have been expeditions to that region. Uh, there's a, an actual there's a person. In the early 1900s, that led an exposition uh, to try to find the ark. Uh, he he believed that he found the location of the ark, and he even was able to uh, to to dig up uh, a artifact from that area and had it analyzed. And basically, it was a uh, a piece of petrified wood. Mm-hmm. But the the Turkish government closed down that area, and nobody's allowed to go in there any longer. So archaeological expeditions are not are not allowed there. So we think we know where the ark is. We believe that that's the ark, but there's no way to substantiate that. Yeah, it's all kind of. Um conspiracy theory type stuff in my in my opinion um there's well just there's really no way of knowing 
there's no there's no way of knowing how it worked. I was talking about Pangea, um, but uh, I just posted a article from Answers in Genesis that is talking about um, an earlier supercontinent called Rodinia that then broke into Pangea, okay. that then broke into the continents that we have, and they were saying that um, that Rodinia is is more likely Noah's supercontinent. But the, the the point that's being made, or the point that I'm making is, like, we can't really know, you know, where things were or what things look like. If Noah was in this place, you know, if he was in Portland, Oregon, um, you know, on his supercontinent before everything happened, you know, it's moved so far well, over I the mean, course of time. Well, and floated around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the course of time, everything has moved and changed and shifted. And, you know, there's like magnetism that possibly has shifted and so on and so forth. So it's really hard to know where things were and um, anything could be pretty much anywhere. Yeah. Okay. So um, so we do know, but, but what we do know is that um, the dimensions that are given in Scripture for the size of the um, of the ark are realistic. Yeah, I mean there are a couple what is it? Like a couple football fields or something. Yeah, we do yeah, 300 cubits or something like that. We we do know that it was large enough it had several decks and that it was large enough to accommodate all of the animals and uh, insects and all that uh, on the earth. It would have taken um, him several years to build it. it mine, and I'm trying to remember where I where I saw this. Um, I my remembrance is it took him like over a hundred years to build it. Yeah, it was a hundred years. Yeah. But okay, so so can can you imagine the discussion? Because remember, all of the all of the uh, lands that are surrounding him are filled with people, the towns and what have you, are filled with people that are evil. All they think about is evil. They love to make fun of people. So, you know, the epitome of evil is making fun of people and what have you. Can you imagine the harassment he got uh, as this thing began to be constructed? Sure. And people would be like, you know, what you doing, Noah? What's that? <laughs> and then, and, and, and my, I, my, I'd have to find it. My remembrance is, is that it says that he preached to the people as he, you know, as he was building this thing. But, uh, you know, they basically ridiculed him. I they don't. They weren't doing so when it started to rain. I don't, yeah. I don't remember that in scripture. I don't, I don't think that he preached to the people, as, if I recall. That's why we go back to the scripture, though, right? Um, but well, I, I don't remember it, that in scripture. In Genesis. I think it's oh, found in uh, Hebrews or in something. Jude, I think. Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll have to look it up. I, but I do. That's what I, that's what I seem to remember. Yeah. Um, I don't but, but know. What we, but what we do know is it took him a long, long time. Uh, now, some, Second Peter two five says he was a preacher of righteousness. Is I mean that could be that could be what it's talking about is that he was 
preaching righteousness or whatever to the ancient world. I don't know. Yeah, so from that scripture in Second Peter, we're given insight that, that he preached to the people while he was building this thing. Yeah. Yeah, what he was preaching to them was something that so, was foreign um, to them too. So they would have... Just like Noah, they would have had questions, you know, like, yeah, like yeah. what does it mean I, that I, I can it will fall from the be, sky? I can imagine why they would be kind of naysayers. Yeah. There's a theory. I like this theory, too. There's a theory that the earth was essentially a greenhouse, that it, that on top of the ozone layer, there was also a vapor layer um, that popped, essentially, and that popping is where the like basically the the rain came down and what caused the popping was that the vapors that were in the earth were released have you have you seen total recall sure yeah in total recall that's uh one of the things that happens is there's like a glacier inside the planet mars or whatever and they heat it up and it releases you know pressure into the atmosphere and then, you know, so if you if you had like a giant bubble and you released pressure, then the pressure would pop the bubble and then the vapor that was the bubble would then fall to the earth, um, you know. So anyway, yeah. it, it you know, but uh, again, it's all yeah. sort of conspiracy theory-esque in that we can't really know how that worked. But there are some working theories that are pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah, we... Yeah, we can't know for sure, and of course, you know, uh, in the age of science, they're, uh, you know, they're not sure how that would have all worked. What we do know, for those of you who are old enough to remember, Josh, you were, uh, you were just being born at the time, but when Mount St. Helens erupted, um, one of the things that they discovered uh, from Mount St. Helens is how it is that um, how trees were were uprooted and and uh, stood a particular way with their roots sheared off, and how the, when the waters receded, they ended up planting themselves in like what became known as as uh, petrified forests. And if you go to like places like I think it's in Arizona. There's a placard that says that, you know, these trees have been here for hundreds of thousands of years and they're petrified forests basically. And what they and what they found out is that um, is that that's not true. That what happened with Mount St. Helens gave scientists the opportunity to see what happens when a massive flood runs through and rips out uh, trees, and how they and how they end up then forming as the water recedes? It's it's an interesting study. Um, the other thing I would point uh, my listeners to is we don't really have a good understanding of how this could happen, except that maybe. If you've ever been in, uh, like, Nevada or, or some of those places where they have these uh, heavy rains and flash <laughs> floods, mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, d d <laughs> maybe a lot of people don't realize, but when you go to uh, Vegas, 
the uh, do you know that they have a whole underground aqua system set up because the flooding that comes through there is so voracious that it destroys everything in its path and they had to build um, aqua uh, tunnels in order to uh, prevent this from happening because uh, the waters come so fast and furious um, so you know when you get a deluge of water for 40 days and 40 nights it's it's gonna flood right right um yeah the petrified forest so that's what we know yeah the petrified forest thing is is actually really really interesting and of course you know scientists they don't want to um they they don't want to you know say that the biblical account is is there but you actually see yeah it's just that process of trees yeah, getting of ripped out wholeheartedly <laughs> They get ripped out completely, so they have their whole, entire root systems intact, and they're they're just sitting in the water until they become waterlogged. And then, when they're waterlogged, they sink to the bottom into the mud and reattach themselves. Essentially, even though they're dead, they reattach themselves, and then that process then petrifies them, and it makes it look like they've been there for millions of years, but in actuality, you know, they're thirty years old or whatever. Uh, it's it's pretty. It's yeah. It's really interesting. So we, but, but we don't know, we can only speculate. So back to, uh, well, yeah, we, we don't true. know, we can only speculate, but what we can, but that doesn't, I guess the point being is that there is faith to be had in the Bible. Um, you know, science doesn't really understand that stuff. It doesn't, science never really explains the why of something. What I, what I think is interesting um, which seems to rarely get talked about is the fact that the flood, um, that there is a flood narrative in almost every ancient culture. That's what I always think is interesting. Yes. Just that, you know, it yes, seems like every that's, culture that's, has a zeitgeist of the flood. So. That's absolutely true. And so some, some people that, that uh, look at this, they make the assertion that maybe the the uh, maybe the writers of scripture were uh, plagiarizing from uh, other cultures in describing their uh, the flood event. the the oldest The oldest culture that is known to archaeologists is uh, the Samar the Sumerians. Mm-hmm. And they're the oldest culture where they have a written language, and in their in their written language they have a flood narrative. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that um, you know, Scripture says that the flood uh, covered the whole earth. And again, Josh is correct that from our standpoint, we don't know if it was the whole earth, whole earth in regard to what we understand today or whether it was the whole earth in the region in which um, you know this was being written and people were familiar with mm -hmm. uh, nonetheless uh, as a believer um, you know what I look at is the faith element that is there particularly uh, like I said in regard to uh, how the different formations and stuff, uh, you know, 
uh, are present. For example, like I said, this petrified tree thing is fascinating because that that is one proof, as it were, of the of the flood narrative. And scientists, as you said, they have a problem with that. Um, what we do know, though, let's wrap this up. Uh, what we do know is that uh, if you're interested in how it is that they uh, ate, for example, and sustained themselves. Well, God told them to bring a certain number of animals uh, to be able to do that. So not only did you have the, the animals which came, so they didn't go out and collect the animals. The animals came uh, to them as the time grew near. Right. And when the, and when the time grew near, they marched into the, the boat, the, the doors were sealed, uh, the waters came down, and the boat lifted up. And, and, uh, and, for, and so it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And then uh, if you do the math, uh, they were out for, uh, you know, for 150 days um, just floating around. And then when you do the math, it comes out that they were they were actually in the ark for close to a year, mm-hmm. and so then the ark settled, as as was indicated from scripture in the Mount Ararat area, mm-hmm. and uh, and Noah and his family, his uh, three boys, um, and their families uh, departed. Mm-hmm. So what we'll do next week is we'll pick up with a discussion of what that means in regard to the repopulating of the earth. You mean in two weeks? uh, Continue the narrative there. Right, right, right. You're talking about in two weeks. Next week we'll be discussing 1 Thessalonians 3.16. You are correct. So. uh, Thank you you for that. Thank you for that astute observation. Yep, no worries, no worries. Um, yeah, and so just just to I, let just to let just, just to as a programming note, just to let our audience know, we are going on break here. We're coming up on the end of season three, so we're going to be going on break here in just about a month. Our last episode will be in June. Uh, it will be. June 30th. So the last day of June will be the last episode So uh, right. of season three. So keep tuning in. Stay with us. We got about five episodes left. Okay, cool. So, so the, uh, so I got, I got just one. What's up with that today? Okay. Okay, so I, I just came across this. this. You know, there's lots of stuff we could talk about. We want to give time to kind of catch up on uh, on our marriage uh, emphasis. But uh, uh, so I came across this, and and it really has to do with children and and poor parenting. Well, I believe poor parenting. Let's talk about children for a second. This kid, well, what happened was a... Uh, was a, a county patrol officer in Utah uh, saw that a car was driving erratically, and so he he uh, he pulled the car over, 
and when he uh, when he walked up to the car, what he found in the car was there was a five-year-old driving a five-year-old. the car. Five-year-old, wow. And the five-year-old was uh, on his way, in his mind, was on his way to California because he had gotten into an argument with his mother uh, that, that he wanted to uh, buy a Lamborghini. Okay. And so his mother told him, no, you're not doing that. And so he went and got his parents' car and were and was able to drive it out on the street on the way to get to California so that he could buy a Lamborghini. Hmm. Five years old. I mean, that's pretty impressive, if I'm being honest. <laughs> well... I mean, yes and no. I Impressive mean, for him. Here. He was as being a being a five year old. He, you know, he didn't realize how much he only had three dollars with him. Right. Well, he understood certain things of how the world works, the mechanical things, but not the philosophical <laughs> things. Hey, did we lose our video right, feed, right, right. or are we we get over there still? All right. It kind of looks weird on the feed for me, um, but yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I, so I have a son and he's four years old and I can imagine him, I can imagine him being able to, you know, see that you'd see how to do that. Now getting it onto well, the street though, I don't know, but if you play video games. I mean, I guess that's kind of impressive, but I'll tell you this, um, when you get, when your kids are growing up, you never found our keys laying around. Sure. How does he even re- <laughs> how does he even reach the pedals? I I have, I have no idea. It's like it short sh- like short round in uh, Indiana Jones and in the Temple of Doom with his blocks. It was, uh, maybe it was a Mini Cooper or a uh, a Fiat Five Hundred. Ah yes, a really really small car. Okay then. <laughs> okay, well you know you just look at that and like I said, go what what's up with that? Yeah. Um, Okay, let's talk about uh, cultural lunacy and kind of just uh, finish up our day talking about uh, uh, the role of man. So we've been talking about, uh, in, in, in cultural lunacy, we've been talking about the importance of, of uh, marriage and understanding the dynamics that exist in marriage as far as scripture is concerned. Right. So last week we finished up our discussion of the concept of submission, and within that context, we talked about the fact that that God has designed from in Scripture. We see that God has a specific design so that we might be able to take the chaos that would naturally come from men and women being together and bring about some type of order, okay? So there, there, there are a number of reasons why marriage relationships would be chaotic uh, because men and women, first and foremost, men and women just don't see things the same way. And Yeah, and, I mean, uh, I don't know that that makes them chaotic. It makes them dynamic. Well, it makes yeah okay. So it makes it, it it can make for an interesting dynamic, 
Um, but but what happens is is that it, it ends up running contrary to God's design, and because it runs contrary to God's design, it then becomes it causes the the relationship to have difficulty. Uh, you're so, speaking when you say it ends up running contrary to God's design. What do you mean by that? Like what ends up running? Well, contrary? we know from going through Genesis, and we know from our discussion that God created man. And then he created woman. We know from the fall that there was consequence for uh, for men and women, and that one of those consequences is that even though uh, the woman was created for man, um, you know, because of the fall, uh, she wants to rule over her husband. Right. So. So the fact that, that are, but that, you're not, that can, that can create some real problems. But you're not suggesting that the fact that men and women are different is what makes it chaotic. You're suggesting that the fact that we're in a fallen world and there's consequences for that is what makes it chaotic, right? Yeah. If 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 the fall hadn't occurred, then then and it worked according to God's design, then we wouldn't, you know have as much drama. Yeah. What really takes place is that um, because of how God created the woman, so first of all, in many ways, um, be, because women were created as a helpmeet, uh, they, were, they were created so they uh, Eve was created so that Adam might be completed. And part of God's design in creating her was that she, she was created with uh, abilities that uh, Adam doesn't have. Right, and this is what we've been talking about for several weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, so well, foundationally, that's what's what's happening. So, so the reality of it is, is women think that they, uh, women think that they know everything, or at least that they know the right way to do things. And conversely, that men think that too. Well, men, men are uh, men are by design in that position uh, to want to be able to lead, uh, and and if they if they can't do that or they're constantly being undermined, then that causes chaos. Yes, but so but 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 it's not that it's not that today, but it's not that women it's not that women think they know better. Oftentimes they do. That's okay, you're you're uh, you're echoing, Josh. I don't know why. Okay, well, it's not that women think they know better when they don't. Oftentimes, they do actually know better. The issue is that they're not the ones who are responsible. They're not responsible before God to be the federal heads of the family, and so that's the problem. Am I still okay, echoing? I think I'm going to agree with you, but. Well, because you you emphasized. Well, it's because you. I just I want to make that point because you emphasized the idea that women don't know what they're doing. Oh uh, no 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 no! I didn't I didn't say that they they don't know what they're doing. Okay, well, I'm giving you the opportunity to clarify. I said they think they're always right. Uh, okay, so <laughs> right there we go. Um, there we go. There it is, right often, there. So I, I want to emphasize that oftentimes women are right. 
but they're not the ones who are going to be held responsible for for the like the the overall state of the family or the overall state of mankind because it was men who introduced sin into the world and it was men right. who were created at the top of that echelon not in value but in role and position so there you go and that was my that was my point in bringing this up foundationally to say that you know women were created with uh, super abilities okay that's not how you made it sound earlier so so they 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 can uh, they can think with both sides of the brains well, we can and too they, they can, can just do it at the same time and they can yeah simultaneously yeah so they can hold right right five we were, or six sure but we we've been we've been once we've been we've been talking about this for weeks now so yeah, I mean it's we it's, it's kind of stated already. Women and men different from each other. They're in different roles. What was the That's my point. Okay. So in the in the 19 in the 1960s, right right after actually 1950s going up into the 1960s, um, the women's movement became very dominant within the United States. And the idea that um, that women, uh, you know, needed to have uh, the the feminist movement came into being. Okay, and, so specifically and, the feminist movement. Right, and the feminist movement um, basically has sought. Well, they tried to do a couple of things. First of all, uh, they they tried to assert, and I. I'm, what the, the, from a sociological standpoint, it was a reaction to the uh, to uh, an abuse of what came to be understood as a as a patriarch way of dealing with things. What so came to be understood had, as the patriarchy? Yes. So women had been in particularly in American society. Women had been. Uh, mistreated and we're and we're we're still seeing we're still seeing elements of that work its way through but women had been oppressed women had, women had been uh, put inside of a box uh th th that's part of what we see in the last year or two with the me too movement where women were not believed when uh, they asserted that something happened to them because it know. was so I don't know that you can define the Me Too movement as it as coming from women not being believed, because certainly yeah, the, that's, that's definitely part of it. Well, certainly there were some women who were believed. the The idea, the and then you know told to be quiet. For instance, the idea with the Me Too movement more centers around the idea that there's a there's a toxic masculinity that's hidden within the infrastructure of well, uh, the, the of whole, these institutions. The whole feminist movement is based upon the idea that the, the idea that there's toxic masculinity. I mean, I, I I don't again. I I would push back on that. I don't think that feminism is is based on that idea i would say that it's not that there's toxic masculinity but that there's female superiority uh elements of both josh 
Uh, I'm, we're but talking the, about the the core philosophy, right? So it's yeah, even, the, even if the guy, the even if the guy is completely loving, the idea is is that women are superior or equal in role, and you know, even right. if the guy we was went, completely loving, we went through a a whole social thing back in the day where. Um, there were no uh, so everything was supposed to be gender, gender neutral. Sure. So you like had egalitarian you know, in the, nature. Yeah, you had this whole thing being purported that men and women are the same, and neither is superior, and uh, you know we should so so the so the outworking of that, of course, is that you know you saw you saw men and women wearing the same clothes. Mm-hmm. And doing the same things, and you see women rising up in order to put men in their place, like uh, the big battle between uh, Billy Jean King and uh, Steve Carell. Oh, now his name slipped my mind. I know it's he's um, the what? Uh, oh, Bobby Riggs. Yeah, Bobby Riggs. There's an interesting movie about that with Steve Carell and yeah, Emma Stone. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah. But so, so what's what's where? What are we driving at here? Well, what we're driving at is that what's what's happened then because of this movement, particularly in our society today, is that men are constantly uh, being. Uh, denuded, as it were, or I don't. I've no, neutered, neutered. neutered. Yeah. yeah, men are being neutered, and men don't know who they are in society today, and they're constantly being put down. So, who are men then? Yeah. So, what's what what is a what is a man according to scripture? So, and we could go from a from a we won't. Josh, I know you're chomping at the bit here. We won't, but but uh, we won't watch. But we could go on. We could go on for quite a while talking about uh, commercials and various things that we see today, where you see this displayed of, uh, just in your face. Sure. You know that that women that that men don't know anything. They're dumb. They're stupid. They need to be guided, uh, and uh, women are con- in control of everything. They're the smart ones. Um, so, when we turn to the Word of God, God's Word doesn't give us that indication. What God's Word does is God's Word sets out the uh, an understanding for us of what the role of man is and how it is that we are to respond. So first of all, if we go all the way back to Genesis, in Genesis, I would remind you that, uh, you know, God gave man the position to rule over all of his creation. Mm -hmm. So God created the heavens and the earth. He created all the animalia and what have you, and he brought all those before man. Now, he was... He was bringing them for a purpose, but but he was to have dominion over all of creation. So man, initially created, was responsible for this in God's uh, in God's mind. 
in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3 through 12, there's a discussion by the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul clearly, in 1 Corinthians, put forth the understanding that, uh, that man is to be the head of the woman, and that woman was created uh, for man. Yeah. So, again, now we're getting into an understanding that by God's design, man was created to be, to have dominion and to rule over the creation of God. Then secondly, uh, that in God's design, uh, man was created and his purpose was to be able to fellowship and, and, uh, and have that relationship with God and woman was created for the sake of man, not the sake of, of uh, God. But woman was created. Well, man, I mean, man wasn't created for the sake of God either. But man was created for man was the pinnacle of God's creation. Well, uh, okay, but right. when you say that, you're talking about males or human humankind. Mankind. Okay, so 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 when we say man is the pinnacle of God's creation, you're not saying that men, not women, are the pinnacle of God's creation. No, mankind. Okay, I just want to be really clear about that. Was the man? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. You're picking at it, and I understand, uh, so that we have clarity. Yes. But but man, mankind was the pinnacle of God's creation. But mankind, the creation was there, and it stopped with man before man understood that he needed a companion and a help me. Right. So the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians talks about this order then that exists. Not that women are lesser, but they're created with the purpose of being able to help man. When we go into the New Testament and we begin looking at how it is that that we are to then conduct ourselves you know scripture indicates that that uh, there are very specific things we need to be aware of and we are not see the 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 thing that, that there are instances in Scripture which give us an understanding of what happens when God speaks to us and he says, this is how I want you to do this, or this is my plan, and then we turn around and we listen to our wives. And we don't follow what God reveals to us. Right, meaning so instead, in instead of what God have, reveals. Yeah, yeah, so in the relationship that we have with God... God is supposed to speak to uh, men as the head of the household and give them direction, and we'll talk more on that in a little bit. But, but the tendency is that wives, uh, sometimes they want, to, uh, they want things to go their way. So look at what happened in the garden, for example. Sin did not come into the garden until Adam listened to Eve, and Adam rather than listening to God, listened to Eve and took the fruit and ate of it. 
Um, look at the example of uh, Abraham and Sarah in regard to the child of promise uh, that God was going to give Abraham through his wife, Sarah, Isaac. And, and uh, you know, granted the, granted the uh, you know, Sarah was up there in age. She was like 90. I mean, not res not respectively, though. Like in today's age, yes, but not, you know, like respectively, people were living for a lot longer. Um. Yeah. Yeah. But but. But she'd but, been barren uh, for. Remember, she... we're after. Well, we're after the flood at that point, Josh. And yeah. there were not individuals that were living uh, as long as they did before the flood. Well, she had been barren for she'd been barren for long enough that that was essentially what people thought she was. She, that's what she thought she was. Well, clearly, ninety years old is, an, is that's old to be bearing children, right? But and that's but, not her observation. But even if it's post flood, I don't think that that means that. Um, I don't think that that implies. No, my emphasis would be that she was old. She was she was past. The normal childbearing period, um, from what she understood. So she, so God had given a promise to Abraham, and Abraham listened to his uh, his wife and slept with his handmaid in Hagar, rather than follow God's uh, what God had told him, and bore a child uh, through Hagar. Yeah, so Sarah was, she was 127 when she died, but Abraham was 175. Okay. So there's still, uh, there's, you know, half, half, half their life was still there. So, but... one, could, so one could say that Abraham robbed the cradle. <laughs> well, I, it just means that he spent a lot of time after okay. she died. Not, without I know, her. I know. I'm not, not the point of our discussion. The point of our discussion is, is that, you know, Abraham was given a promise by God and that he would fulfill that promise and he listened to his wife instead and had him sleep with his handmaiden, her handmaiden, Hagar, and Ishmael was the product of that. Right. And 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 so the if you extrapolate that, um, I would just share to the podcast here that uh, all the stuff that we see going on with Israel and all the Arab nations that surround Israel, that's because of Abraham's listening to Sarah rather than following uh, God's command to him. I mean, that's I I don't know. Like it, I I understand what you're saying, and in practical terms, there's some truth to that, but. It's. I think that that puts an undue emphasis on Sarah, or an undue emphasis on Eve. Um, you know. You know. It's. I think it's an undue emphasis. Like, it's because Abraham listened to himself. Don't think for a second that Abraham wasn't thinking to himself. Oh, you mean I get two girls for the price of one? Oh yeah, yeah. You know. Don't. Yes, I agree. Don't get me wrong. Remember that he's in a fallen state, so he's going to be thinking of himself. And, so I mean, Sarah could have been. So the point I'm making is, Sarah could have been any girl, but the man Abraham who didn't understand who God was, he, um, 
you know, he listened to his penis. Like, and well, let's not de- let's not diminish that if he had listened to what God had instructed him and believed in that promise that had been given to him, that uh, the covenant that had been made to him. Yeah, that's remember, what I'm saying. That's what I'm God, saying. Remember, he walked between uh, a blood sacrifice covered in blood right. as the covenant was made to him. That's but that's what I'm saying. Like it's it's interesting that um, Sarah is she's never so, seen Sarah's. I, it's interesting that Sarah is never seen as negative. Um, she's even in the Hall of Faith. She like in Hebrews, it talks about Sarah yeah, as yeah. as you know but being I, faithful, even I, though she laughed, I, which is I funny. Get it. I get it that Abraham is ultimately responsible here, and that's my whole point because. His focus should have been on the promise that God had given him. And I can understand why when she said, you know, why don't you sleep with my handmaiden? And Abraham went, yeah. Why don't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get that. But, you know, if you read through the Old Testament and, and you know, at Aletheia, we spend time doing that. A lot of New Testament churches don't do that. But we spend time doing that, understanding what the dynamic of uh, of God's word is there. You know, Abraham, he's a bit of a scoundrel. Yes, he is. There, there were several times where he tried to pass his wife off as his sister, and there were consequences that came because of that. Yep. Well, there were more times than one, for sure. <laughs> and one is one's yeah. pretty bad. <laughs> well, in specific, yeah, like in specific not just passing her off as his sister, but so that other people could sleep with her. Well, yeah, I mean, basically, he was saving his own skin in his right. mind. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so, so, but when we go into the Old Testament, I'm just going to take a couple minutes to wrap up our discussion because okay. I want to move on from this next week. As as uh, as we go into the, uh, the to the New Testament, there are several passages which tell us men tell men now. It tells us as men how it is that we are to do things. Like in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, it talks about the fact that we, as men, are to be providers for our family. In 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, 7 through 12, it talks about the fact that we are responsible that our house is in order. Men, you are responsible that your house is in order and not chaotic. You know, we, we see in Ephesians that the husband's responsibility towards his wife is to love her. And we will go, at a later date, we'll go into a more dynamic understanding of what that really means. But our responsibility as men to our wives is not to force them into subjection, but we are to love them. Now, this is agape love. This is the type of love that is sacrificial love. And so we are to... So men, Scripture says that in God's design, uh, the, the weight of responsibility for following his, his uh, statutes and his word falls upon the man. Men, you're the one who decide that the family is going to go to church. You're the ones who decide... That uh, that your family 
is going to honor the word of God in how it is that you do things in in everything. Right. In everything. In your work and how you pay your bills and how your children are raised, all those things. You're the one that sets the tone and says, we're going to do this. You know, you're, you have a responsibility to, to uh, you know, to provide for your family. You have a responsibility to uh, make sure that your house is in order. Uh, and so God's word is very clear that those responsibilities fall on the man, not the woman. Okay. So basically, uh, I'm, did I did I did I uh, state that clear enough? Yeah, I think it's clear. I I don't think that it, it even begins to unpack what that looks like. I, I don't I don't think it's substantiated. Um, you know, I think it sounds more like an introduction to like biblical manhood. I don't know if that's really what you're going for here. Or if you're wanting well, to move on to something to else, unpack more of it, uh, you know, uh, the the the. I guess that that's a uh, that one that might be one way to look at it, Josh. The thing is, is that when we talk about who men are, as far as what Scripture says, it's not. How do I put it? It's not that we compartmentalize how it is that we deal with things. But but it's a it's a whole approach to taking everything in consideration. So you would consider this element that we've been talking about as a foundational aspect that we're going to come back to and jump off on as we continue this discussion in other aspects. Sure. And with that, we're already at an hour, so we should probably go ahead and wrap things up. Okay. Um, yeah, we can do that. Um, if you are someone who is seeking answers or you want to know more about your faith, if you are new to Jesus Christ or the Bible, we want to help you. So check out the help tab at abfpdx.org. And remember that we're always open to questions. Pastor Monty is ready and waiting to deliver some sage advice and insight, so don't be shy. And let's go ahead and just completely close it out. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast is a resource of Aletheia Bible Fellowship of Portland, Oregon, and it's a webcast on the Vigilance Radio Network, a resource developed by Project Vigilance, ABF's web portal that provides helpful and interesting online resources for the church local and at large. And if you want to be a part of the VRN and what we're doing here, you can join the VRN's Facebook page to get access to all of our shows, including Culture and Sanity, our kids' shows like Wake Up Cadre and The Bible with Pastor Adam, our weekly sermon, and Nightlight Radio. Uh, we don't have a new episode of Nightlight this week, but we are going to be airing a rerun. There's some things that we need to be uh, doing here at the the church. We're installing uh, like a fence and some other things, so we're not going to be available for questions, but our um, services are still available, so if you need help, you know, call in and let us know. We just won't be live on the air. Um, and uh, let's see. So that takes place on Thursday nights uh, between 9 p.m. and 11. Remember, if you are liking our services, we go on a station break in uh, the, at the end of June. So be looking out because we'll be coming back with some specials for the VRN in uh, September 
And that's going to include a bunch of panels for cross-examination. We might be doing something a little bit different there. Uh, it's going to include our tiles, uh, the Young Lectern series, where we let young people talk about things that are interesting to them uh, for the church. So there's a lot of things coming our way. But like I mentioned earlier at the top of the show, Pastor Monty's show um, will be taking a well-rested end to season three here coming up, um, a well-deserved end to season three, and we'll be back uh, in January for season four. If you've enjoyed this show, consider supporting us. Our networking shows are free to you, but they're not free to us, so head over to abfpdx.org and click the Donate tab. Even a dollar a month will be put to good use for the gospel, and if you're poor like us, that's all right. You can still partner with us by remembering to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. You can always find it on ABF's YouTube page, Instagram, Facebook, the VRN Facebook group, all of those things. Take a second to visit the group page so that you can stay up to date whenever we share new content each week. And remember that for the time being, that content is shared on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. We will see you then. I am Pastor Josh, your engineer and senior pastor over at ABF, and this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network.